Search engine optimization is one of those terms, SEO, that is a nebulous meaning. And people think I have to get SEO for my website. I have to get SEO for my YouTube channel. I need to get people to find it on Google. I have to get to the top of the search engine listings. But how do you do it? How do you play this game? How do you even start to optimize your content for search? The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series. I've been looking forward to this episode a huge amount I have with me, as always, back for the 14th episode in this coaching series, Andrew Alinda, Callie to the crowd. Welcome back to the show. Alan, great to be back. Thank you for having me on again. 14 episodes. Is that how long we've been recording? I know you can't get rid of me. I'm like a bad stain (laughs) that keeps coming back. It has been fun. Uh, And also to help us this episode, I'm incredibly excited to have a new friend that I met in Colorado. With me today is Doug Cunnington, and Doug runs Niche Site Project, which is all about using keywords to find profitable niche or niche, as we would say in the UK, markets for your business. And it's incredible. Your YouTube channel, Doug, has had 2.6 million views. Wow. Wow, Alan, I had no idea I had that many views. I kind of stopped looking, but thank you. I stopped looking, yeah. <laughs> I looked this morning. I was I was super impressed. Wow. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pumped to be here and talk about SEO and some keywords and stuff like that. And thanks for letting me know how many views my channel has gotten over the years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably just put the videos out there and just let them do their thing, don't you? I guess in the early days, you check every week going, did someone watch it? Did someone watch it? But after a few years of doing it, you just kind of let it do what it does. Exactly. It's a little more relaxing to do that. And hopefully, <laughs> Andrew, someday soon, you'll you'll be in the same position. Oh, no, I'm still very much watching as the views rack up. But yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> it kind of reminds me about like watching the stock market when you first invest your money as well. People are checking the stock market every day. Did it go up? Did it go down? And their emotions are attached to the stock market figures. The same with a, you launch your blog, you launch your podcast. Did anyone listen? No, I feel down. Yes, I feel happy. And it's interesting trying to become detached from the figures and caring more about the quality of the content, the promotion and the work that goes behind. Because I guess the viewership is a side effect of doing the right things. Mm, And I was going to say, like, the key difference is that at least with this, we can control it, right? We can control our views, which is, I imagine, what we're going to speak about today. (laughs) Well, there's an interesting first question. Doug, can you control your views? As far as how many many times people are going to view your stuff, we can do our best. But there are so many factors involved from, you know, topics you've covered before, like the the title, the thumbnail, some of the other details in there. But we could do the best we can, but it's always up to the individual viewer on the other side. So let's start off with what actually is a keyword, Doug, and where does this apply? A keyword is really 
a phrase or a series of words most of the time. And it's really whatever a user types into the search field in some application. Typically, we use Google. A lot of people do use Google. YouTube is a huge search engine. And there are search engines all over the place that you don't even realize, like Amazon, for example. Pinterest can be used as a search engine. And the list goes on and on. But a keyword is just whatever a user types in to search for something. Usually, most of the time, they're trying to solve a problem. And I think that applies really well for what we're going to talk about today, Andrew. Which that's kind of what we're trying to do is marry up. What do people search for? And our content comes up when they're searching to solve their problem. But there are some like art to getting your video to show up rather than the thousands of others that have been created to answer the same question. So where do we even start to think about this, Doug? Where do we even start? Because this applies whether it's a podcast, a blog article. It's kind of the same, isn't it? Because my podcast answers a question. We're answering a question about how do I get to the top of YouTube search engine results in this podcast right now? Like it applies to all. But where do I even start to think about this stuff? So... First off, you should come up with kind of a list of topics or keywords in this case. So I'll probably just refer to these lists as keywords at this point. And you're probably doing this already in some capacity when you jot down your topic ideas, whether it's for a blog post, a YouTube video, or a podcast or anything else, right? So you're jotting down these lists of ideas. And at that point, you potentially can go to a search, a keyword research tool that will give you a little bit more information. It's not required. And actually, I'm curious, Andrew, have you used any keyword research tools up to this point? Yeah. So I regularly use Google Trends. I've used onto the public as well until they recently slapped on a a paywall, which has been a, a little bit of a nuisance. And then I use some YouTube-specific tools. So I've toyed around with TubeBuddy, but at the moment I'm using VidIQ, a tool which helps me identify popular keywords. And I'm, I'm sure these are some tools that yourself and actually some of the listeners may have heard of. Perfect. So for the people that don't know, a keyword research tool will usually tell you the number of searches per month a specific term gets. And the tools that you mentioned, Andrew, are sort of the the very high level, like Google Trends, it'll give you an idea over time, historically, if that is trending up or trending down or stable. These other keyword research tools will tell you the search volume. Now, it's an estimated search volume, so it's not exact and you can't really count on it exactly, but they use historical data and they sort of extrapolate out based on averages and they have algorithms behind their tools. And there's a few tools out there. A lot of them are paid, but most of them do have some sort of a free trial for a few days so that you can test them out. Now, a lot of times, some of these tools are sort of overkill. They're really like a full suite of marketing tools. And today, we're really only going to focus on that search volume. And you're probably thinking already, hey, the search volume is probably a really great thing to understand because then you have some scope of like how many times people search for this term across the world or specific geographies like the US or UK, Canada, fill in the blank. So 
that is something we'll focus on today. And it does give you a lot of insight on where you should prioritize because you'll have a better understanding like this keyword is really popular and potentially could bring in a lot more viewers and new views to your channel and videos. Sounds great. I'm keen to hear more. So how do we how do we start? Andrew's got a fitness calisthenics YouTube channel. And one of the things we've discussed in the past is the keyword calisthenics, whether actually anyone is searching, how do I do calisthenics or whether they're searching for how do I do an L-sit or whether they're searching for how do I stay fit in lockdown without the gym or like what actually does he need to create and how does he do it? Like, Where do we even start with that stuff? Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple areas to come up with the keyword ideas and just based on what, what you mentioned, Alan, I'm going to go on a slight tangent and say it'll be important to understand the synonyms and other phrases that people use because I, I personally probably wouldn't search for calisthenics specifically. I would maybe look at body weight exercises or something like that. And you, you probably know all the different iterations that people might use, Andrew, already. But just keep that in mind, and you may have a situation where you're trying to optimize certain videos for like certain keywords, and the content of the video might be really similar to others, but you're just focusing on other keywords. So I will give you a couple places to list out some of these ideas. One of the best places, the best place for you, Andrew, will be YouTube and YouTube auto-suggest. And I know there's a lot of other, I guess, vidIQ, I actually used that tool for a while as well. A lot of the videos that vidIQ puts out will refer to this method of keyword research. So you just go to the search field in YouTube, you start typing in whatever sort of base keyword you're looking for, like calisthenics, and then see what else pops up. And I don't know any other, um, we'll say pull-ups. I don't know many body weight exercises, so I'll have to <laughs> make it up as we go. But we'll say pull-ups, right? And then you can see a lot of other auto-suggests will pop up. And another side note and tangent here, you can do the same thing in Google. So if you want to go a little bit further and you're thinking, okay, I also want to rank in Google, maybe you go have a look at Google and use the auto-suggest there. Typically, you'll find you know dozens of keywords that way. Another place to look for keywords is other channels in your niche. So do some competitor analysis, hop over to their channel, look at their videos, sort them by the popularity, and then you'll see their most popular videos. Chances are those are optimized already for specific keywords. You can see it right there. You can see their description. You see the views. You could watch the video, get a lot of insight. And that's another fantastic place. Have you done any competitor analysis already? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, there's certainly a fair amount of channels that certainly rank for very similar keywords to me. Some are bigger than others, some are smaller than others. And I, I like looking at that broad range, not just at the biggest ones, because the size of their channels already supercharge the amount of views that they get. What I like looking for is smaller channels with views that far outstrip their subscriber base. So I see a fair few channels with, say, for example, maybe about 10,000 subscribers, which in the YouTube world is relatively small. <laughs> I say that with my 4,000 subscribers. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you see channels like that, and you know that if you see them and they have a video with, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000 views, they've clearly done something right because they're 
shooting way past what they should have, right? And I always like looking at those. VidIQ has a really handy tool which allows you to actually see the number of subscribers right alongside the views, which I find really interesting. And yeah, just digging into the sort of keywords they're using, the way that they're formatting the video, because I'm also conscious that keywords also, that the, the whole experience is what you're looking for here, and keywords form part of that experience, right? So you could optimize your video to high heaven, but if you have a crap video, <laughs> you know, it's you're only as good as your video. But yeah, I, I certainly really agree with that. It's something I, I do quite regularly and I agree with you, Doug. I think that is a really good tool and it's free. Which actually a couple of questions based on that. Is that a good strategy, Doug, to look for those video subscribers versus views that are outperforming? It's a brilliant way to do it. That is really sort of removing, like you said, Andrew, the, the size of the other channels gaining all the views for them. So yeah, if you could find a small channel that's outperforming, that's perfect. And then I guess the second question to build from what Andrew was saying is how do you balance this SEO data with subjects that you know are valuable for the audience? Because I went to YouTube, exactly as you said, and I started to type in body weight and the options were body weight workout, body weight leg workout, body weight warrior, and there's like a whole list down there of subjects. Do I just make a video for each one of those terms? How do I balance like I should be focused on content that delivers value versus just going through the list of SEO terms and answering them in the title? Sure. It is totally up to you. I <laughs> really in the in the beginning when you're yeah, that's a <laughs> the most unhelpful answer I can give. So yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm the expert, right? That's why you brought me on. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. It was just when you said it's totally up to you. I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll give you a recommendation though. It'll be slightly helpful, but you will have to think about it on your own. So basically I sort of like a push at the beginning when you're thinking, hey, I really want to grow the channel, you might have to lean into the SEO side a little bit more and make a video on, you know, these various different body weight exercises. And, and by the way, like for each one of those auto suggest keyword phrases that popped up, you could probably use that as your next root keyword. And then it it will have its own set of auto-suggest keywords. So if you iterate on that, you will end up with a lifetime of videos and video ideas. So if you just keep iterating, you'll end up with a huge list. Now, how do you balance it? Well, I actually like to go through and make a lot of videos. Alan, you may have noticed on my channel, I have something like 1300 videos. So I'm kind of a, I'm a volume and non-perfectionist. So I will publish a huge amount of content, see what works. And I'm not afraid to have some less optimal videos out there. It's okay. There's so many people won't even notice. It makes me so happy you said that. Just publish them. And the cool thing that will happen is some videos are going to resonate a little bit more with your audience. The algorithm will pick them up. Those videos will be introduced to people outside of your audience and it'll sort of go viral, which is a really cool thing. You can't plan for it. You have to publish a lot of videos for that to happen. And you don't know what topic it'll be. And one thing that will happen is you'll notice, oh, uh, body weight exercises, some other keyword portion in there. And you can start doing more videos on that topic because YouTube is recognizing 
that viewers want to watch videos by you on that topic. So you can just drill it down. And I, I suspect you've already noticed that with a few topics and keywords. You're like, oh, all five of these videos seem to get more views. The similar topic is suggested in the sidebar and people just watch more and more of them in that topic. Yeah, I've, I've certainly noticed that, Doug. I think um, when that happens, one thing I always find funny is that the videos that you expect to completely smash it sometimes are the ones that, yeah, they'll do all right. And then you'll have videos that you really <laughs> just aren't expecting to do well. Like one of the videos I literally created the day before, published it, and it's one of my most popular videos. And I just don't understand, but it's clearly solving a problem. But actually on that point, I wanted to ask, so when you see one of those videos do really well, right? And people are getting value out of it. People are watching it. People are loving on it. And actually in YouTube analytics, as I'm sure you know, like you can see how people are navigating to this video. Are they searching for it? Are you ranking high on the YouTube rankings? Are they being suggested it off the back of other videos? What videos are suggesting your videos? Where do you find the balance between doubling down on a video that is doing really well and I guess branching out to those long tail keywords versus creating new content relevant to your area of expertise? I'll give you an example. If I wanted to create a video on a pull-up tutorial and then that did really well, it did super well, would it be worth my time doing another video on, I don't know, are you struggling to do pull-ups? Five mistakes beginners make on pull-ups. Exactly. Ten ways to get to your first pull-up. Exactly. Do I branch out and really drill down into that versus do I just make another tutorial but about a different, like push-ups that you know, might bring more people that are searching for a completely different set of skills. But again, in that realm of body weight training, there's a lot buried in that, that question. Right. But yeah. So I would probably drill down on the subtopics of pull-ups, for example, because YouTube is already, you know, sending you a lot of viewers in that topic area. So you may as well double down on it, triple down, just Honestly, you probably can publish videos on that topic until you're kind of sick of it, frankly. And I've, I've done that. And that leads to YouTube burnout, which I'm sure you, you've started to run across a little bit. But the interesting thing with YouTube and the analytics is so good. You have so much information. And if you just follow the metrics and don't pay attention to what you really need to be doing to you know, fulfill whatever you're trying to fulfill. I mean, this is an entrepreneurship podcast. You're trying to build a business and earn some money, build an email list, sell your own products, all that stuff. So you shouldn't necessarily do the things that YouTube is encouraging you to do via the analytics because you can make really weird decisions if you only look at the metrics. So it'll be important to balance however you see fit, Andrew, bowing down to the algorithm and the analytics and then staying true to your business and the goals that you're trying to achieve, helping your audience, of course, and solving their problems. So somewhere in there, there's a nice little mix. And probably earlier on in your channel, it'll be really good to you know focus on the SEO portion, try to get those views and subscribers and build an email list. And then once you hit a certain level, perhaps you could relax a little bit and lean further to you know, staying true to the, the business goals. I do want to give sort of a live example. My wife currently is learning to do a chin-up. She's never been able to do a chin-up. It's like one of those goals. She's got in her head, I'm going to do it. 
she started last night watching YouTube videos, watching content, like, what are the mistakes I'm making? How do I do this? And she is super focused and she'll watch five videos. And if you've got one that is a guide to YouTube, she'll then hop around and find other people's channels. If she likes you and you've got the guide to a chin up, and then you've got the five mistakes beginners makes, five ways to get to a chin up quicker, you've got all this subcontent that builds on that subject, my wife would have consumed every last piece of it to find the way to get to her goal. And I think there is so much more to drill down on in one subject. And I think sometimes people think, oh, I've told them how to do a chin up. That's it. I'm done. It's like, there's so much more than that. There is so much more that you could provide. What does that make you think, Andrew? No, I agree. I think it's certainly something I do. You you get so deep into the rabbit hole when you're looking for solutions to your problems. And like you said, you come across one channel that solves one problem. You start thinking, you know, what? these guys have solved one problem. Let me see if there are other problems that I'm struggling with, especially when it comes to fitness, because I think with fitness, there's always something, you know, there's always something you could be doing better. There's always something you could be optimizing. And I, I see it a lot when I'm browsing YouTube myself, so it wouldn't surprise me if other people are following that same train of thought. So what are you going to do based on this? Like Doug said, I've got to find that balance. And it's it's something I've been struggling with recently because it's funny. I've got maybe about four search terms that account easily for 65-odd percent of my total views. And those four search terms are overwhelmingly where my subscribers come from. So I've got to do my subscribers a service by making sure that they're getting the sort of content that they've subscribed for. Equally, I want to grow the channel. And I know that there are terms out there that I could be providing value for. So where I've kind of settled on it is that at least once a month, I I publish a video every single week. So at least one in every four of those videos will be a video where I drill down into one of those four keywords, one of those four major keywords um, that I just mentioned. And then there'll be other, sometimes it's two, but there'll be other videos that I do that are more solving problems that maybe don't relate to those keywords. And I tweak that balance every once in a while. One thing just to riff off of what you said there, Andrew, is if you do, say, four videos in the month, and you focus on one of the topics that you just described, you may be able to stack those videos on top of each other. So as people are watching, you know, week one, they're like, oh, great, I did want to learn more about pushups. Week two, you're solving another problem. You could even tease the next video, say, oh, I'll, I'll tell you what mistakes not to make next week. So be sure you check that out. And you could kind of you know, like um, the TV shows that we binge on on Netflix or whatever, you can set it up that way. So there is series. And I've actually done this a couple times on my channel. And what happens is people will watch the first one and then they'll binge the rest of them. So the click-through rate on the subsequent videos has been alarmingly higher, like in the double digits. Like I'm not even sure how it ended up working out that way. But it's something really cool if you can set it up and plan ahead and know these four videos are a series and tell the audience along the way. Yeah, and that's the benefit of, like like you said, Doug, you mentioned yourself that you've got so many videos out there, you've published so many, that 
when you start publishing one, there'll probably be about four or five that you can refer to in video. VidIQ do this extremely well. You can go <laughs> look at their channel for just one video, and by the end of it, you've watched five, six, seven, and you're like, why am I still here? You know, <laughs> and I think once you start getting more of those videos, you know, YouTube has those features so like cards and end screens and whatnot. And like you said, Doug, once you start getting that click through, that snowballing of one video stacked on top of another, you really can see see the benefits. I have to admit, that's the kind of thing Netflix do to me with Too Hot to Handle or some kind of really cheesy show where they end on a dramatic cliffhanger and go, tune in next week to find out if Dave has dumped Joanne. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's great. You know, you could open those loops along the way and just close them in videos in the future. It's a great way to hook them. So do you use any of those features at the end, Doug? Like the cards, the referring to other things... Or do you just say it to camera? Do you put text on screen? How do you actually mechanically do that to make sure of those high click-through rates? So in the specific example, that's the one where I did a good job. I'll be honest with you and tell you that most of the time, I, I don't plan ahead that far and I don't use the end screens and all the features. Like I'm a little bit too lazy and I'm just tr I'm just trying to get stuff out the door and I don't think about it too much. When I actually plan ahead, and this is what you should do, Andrew, so listen to what I, what I say. <laughs> Don't look at what I do here. I typically will refer to it in the video. I'll just say it. And what I've done is I'll create a playlist, number one, where all the videos live. So it's you know straightforward in that. And then I will put a link to each of the individual videos, kind of like a table of contents in the description. So if someone wants to hop down there, take a look. They'll see each of the videos listed. It's very easy for them to see the topic and click over to it. And typically, right, once YouTube understands that people are watching these all together, they're all going to be suggested. They're all going to be suggested on the, on the sidebar or somewhere. And it's really easy for people to continue watching just because it's in their face. Yeah, I've certainly seen that um, across the channel. I guess on that note, so... You just mentioned how sometimes you group all these videos in, in a playlist. Are there any penalties? Because I've, I've certainly thought this sometimes when I make videos that are long tail versions of videos I kind of already have. Is there any penalty from perhaps creating one video and then using a very similar set of tags and keywords in a separate video and then maybe having, I don't know, five, six, seven videos where the tags are 70% the same across those videos is does youtube penalize you for that because one thing i've always been scared of doing is maybe making youtube think i'm just like creating the same video over and over again right should be no issue with tags and in general I, I hardly use tags anymore just because i think they've proven to be not so effective i'll usually just put in you know five or, or ten tags or so typically just using the keyword. But yeah, you shouldn't worry about that too much. And I personally have literally used the same titles before because I do live streams often. So if I'm just doing the same kind of live stream and it's very casual where I'm just answering questions, perhaps, I may just keep the same title. I may keep the same thumbnail and the same description. It's not great for bringing on like new people, but for the existing audience, it's okay. And they'll go and watch it. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. And, you know, on that point, if you have videos that have done 
not as well as you hoped, but the content is good. If you wanted to reshoot it, you know, maybe you're a better YouTuber and videographer at this point. So maybe you want to reshoot something that you've done in the past and use the same title and just do a better job. That's okay as well. I haven't seen any ill effects from that. I haven't heard anything negative by doing the same sort of topics over and over again. Interesting. I've never actually thought of doing that. I certainly look back on my older videos and cringe a little bit. So uh, (laughs) they might be do a reshoot. It's interesting the point that you mentioned on tags. That's actually something I've heard of before as well, in that the reliance on tags, as YouTube becomes more intelligent, the reliance on tags is just becoming less and less and less. So when it comes to optimizing specifically for YouTube, so not just getting to, you know, number one rank on YouTube, not just getting suggested on the browse features, but maybe ranking in the knowledge graph from Google. So for those people who don't know, that's like if I search directly on Google, sometimes Google dumps your YouTube video straight into the Google search results. When when it comes to optimizing a video like that, where do you spend the lion's share of your time optimizing a video? Let's say you're producing one tomorrow, where would you spend that time? So it does go back to the keyword research and and just making sure you're targeting something specific, long tail keywords, like you mentioned before. And luckily, the optimization is is really just all done on the YouTube side. So if if you do a good job there, you potentially have the ability to be on the results of Google in that search engine results page. The main place to spend your time is the title. And it turns out you already know what to make as the title because it's generally the keyword. So you could put some other words in there to round it out. Or, you know, I wouldn't suggest using clickbait all the time, but sometimes it's pretty effective. Like you won't believe how this man looks after, you know, doing pull-ups for six weeks or something like that. So you don't want to do it too often, but you can put in some other words in the title to encourage people to to click through. And I would say if you could put the keyword at the front of the title, that is the most helpful thing. One thing that I've noticed as well is if you put the chapters in the description, then sometimes those chapters will be displayed in the Google search results on that page. Now, I think Google and YouTube have been experimenting that has shown up for some searches and then I don't see it for others and it kind of comes and goes. So I think there's a lot of volatility because of the way YouTube and Google test those kind of results, but that's probably a good way if you can, you know, put chapters in there, which I don't do for every video, but occasionally I will put chapters in there. The other area is the description. So you can put the keyword in the description. I usually like to put it in the first, you know, few hundred words or a couple hundred words, something like that. You know, get it in there early. You're probably going to say the actual keyword at the beginning of the video. Of course, YouTube can create the transcription so they know what you're saying. So it's, it is good to say it. In both cases, you don't want to keyword stuff and overuse the keyword in a unnatural way, but make sure you say it probably early and make sure you put in the description probably early the first couple sentences. Awesome. And it is quite interesting when you were talking about the chapters. I don't know if you've ever searched. um, I remember this. JL Collins has his Google talk. It's one of the most watched Google talks of all time. If you just type JL Collins Google talk, it comes up with a little like chart across the bottom that's like, here's the key moments 
here's the time and here's what he's saying to you. So like in 33 seconds in, what does wealth mean to you? Two minutes, why is it important to keep the pace? Eight minutes, invest in index fund. And they've actually taken those moments or chapters out and put it straight on that opening page. It's really quite interesting when you look at it. So you don't even need to watch the whole video. You can just click in on the bit you want. Yeah, and um, I was actually reading something on that recently on LinkedIn with some of those tests that Google are doing on pulling those videos in. And what they're actually finding is that by answering people's questions, by showing them specifically in the video, a good video, albeit where their question is being answered, people are then clicking back and then watching it all or saving it to watch later. So the overall performance of the video is paying off, even if you know, you're only initially getting a small subset of that video. So I guess my next question then, Doug, um, so I'm bombarding you with more. So you, you mentioned that sometimes um, you might do some heavier research into how to find some of these keywords and you know the sort of topics that you want to dig deeper into. I know you mentioned that sometimes that, that might be overkill, but I'm, I'm quite interested in what some of these tools are and what extra value they provide. Okay, perfect. So a couple of the tools... And I'll, I'll mention them specifically, but I have no affiliation with any of these companies or anything like that. So one of the easiest ones to use and is pretty cheap is called Keywords Everywhere. And it's a browser extension. And it will show you in different web pages the search volume for terms. So if you're in YouTube it'll and you type in something in the search bar, it'll tell you how many searches per month on average that search phrase gets. Same thing on Google search and a few other search engines as well. There's another tool is uh, Hrefs and SEMrush. Those are two different tools. Those are pretty expensive. Both have free trials, or at least they used to have free trials. And they are very powerful, full suite of tools, but it does give you the search volume that you're looking for, for different terms. And they have a you know, full set of tools for other pieces of marketing that you might want to do in the future. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've used SEMrush with work before. And if you've got a website specifically, and then maybe something else like a YouTube channel or podcast, it's a really powerful tool. It links in really well with Google Analytics. Um, like I said, I've used it in part way back. I was a marketing assistant a long, long time ago. And yeah, even back then, it was a powerful tool. Awesome. Yep. And there's, there's several others out there and I'm pretty agnostic towards the tool. So I really suggest people just pick one that you seem to like and stick with that because you'll be able to use that tool more efficiently than like switching around over and over again. And the second part of the question is basically those tools will give you the search volume. So like I mentioned before, that'll help you prioritize what you want to focus on and give you a relative idea, one keyword to another, if more people are searching for that on a regular basis or not. And I think we'll probably get into it a little bit here coming up, but you can use the the search volumes to find underserved keywords. And those are kind of long tails. And if people aren't quite familiar with the term long tail, you could think of it as like a more specific search term. So instead of best wireless mouse. I'm not creative. Just I happen to have a wireless mouse next to me. So (laughs) you might search for best wireless mouse, but something more specific would be 
best wireless mouse for a Mac while traveling. So you end up with something ultra specific, and that is a long tail. It's fewer searches because it's so specific, but you could really hone in and help solve the problem for that individual instead of just saying, oh, you can get the standard mouse for a Mac. So that's why the long tails are powerful. It's a very specific problem. So you could serve that individual searcher, you know, as closely as possible to their exact problem. How do you know if it's an underserved keyword? Because I assume you can see the volume, but how do you know it's underserved? So I created a concept called the keyword golden ratio or KGR. And it is a data-driven way to find keywords. So you probably will need to refer to some other documentation, but I'll just explain what the KGR is in general. So there's a advanced Google search term, and it is all in title. And you hop over to Google and you would type in all in title, colon, and then some search phrase, and you'll end up with some number of results. So again, this is an advanced search command, and only SEO nerds end up running across it. So it's called all in title, and you end up with some number of results, and then you divide that by the monthly search volume. That'll give you some ratio. And what you're looking for is a keyword golden ratio or KGR of under 0.25. So what that tells you and what the all in title tells you is the number of web pages online in the Google index that have each one of the words in the title. And that means if all those words are in the title, probably the webmaster intentionally is trying to rank that specific keyword phrase. So what we're looking for here is a certain number of searches and a very low number of all entitled results, because that means people are not trying to target it. So this is generally used for keyword research for the written word on blogs, but it kind of applies to any sort of content. And the other thing I know, Andrew, is you you do want to rank your videos in Google search as well. So it's great because fitness and how-to videos will end up in the search results very often. And if you are doing keyword research using the KGR, plus your knowledge of what your audience wants to learn about, you have a really good chance of ranking on Google and probably ranking pretty well on YouTube as well. That's really, really insightful. I'm definitely going to look into that. I have a question immediately off the back of that, though. I'm sure you get this a lot, but now when you're a small channel, say you've looked at the KGR, you've seen how questions being searched are being served, essentially. What is the balance between competing for some of those major heavy hitting keywords? Maybe there's a lot of search, but there's also a lot of content, but still within that golden ratio. Or, you know, in terms of like magnitude, lower search and lower offerings, because as a small creator, my rationale was, okay, all my initial videos will be serving these really specific questions targeted to specific people, maybe get the people that aren't being served anything and knuckle down on them. There's not a lot of search in them, but the little search that there is for them, I'll be solving a problem and I'll snowball it like that. But then one of my most popular videos, which is essentially beginner calisthenics, I was answering a problem that I could see wasn't being solved in a whole load of other beginner videos. They, they'd they start off 
in what I saw as being relatively advanced. So I literally just added the word <laughs> absolute beginner calisthenics workout. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> the video's flown, like, it's, it's, I think it's my best performing video to date. So where do you find that balance between like trying to compete for those juggernaut keywords and maybe some of those more niche terms? I typically, I do like to focus on the long tail keywords, usually just because they're a little bit easier to rank for in general. And I'm thinking both YouTube and, you know, blog post as well. And that's just personally my preference. And I think if you aimed probably 80, 20. So if you do 80% of your videos aiming at long tails, you are still planting the seeds for potentially having a video that blows up. That's a lot more competitive. And, you know, one thing that we kind of implicitly talked about before is you may have a video idea, a keyword that is, you know, very high search volume, probably super competitive and maybe it'll be really hard to rank by itself. But if you have eight other videos that cover the long tails, you might start getting traction for the same topic on the long tails. And then that will push the other video up and you can you know, link them all together like we talked about before. And as you are hammering down on a specific topic that perhaps you do want to rank for the high volume keyword, you can make videos on the lower volume keywords to help support it in that topic area. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Now that you say that, I'm actually remembering some things. I was looking back at my, um, so I'm one of those weirdos that literally lives on YouTube analytics. I will stare at those numbers and graphs for ages. And it's interesting because one of my other high performing videos is my calisthenics transformation. That is a juggernaut in the calisthenics world. Like if you can rank for that term, you're doing pretty well. And my video does really well in that search term, which considering the size of the channel is actually really small. But what I'm seeing is as the subscriber base grows and more people watch the videos that I've got now, you've almost got this like backward snowball of the long tail keyword supporting the big, you know, as, as people get value from the long tail keyword videos, then they actually go, you know what, I'm interested in this guy. Let me click on his transformation. And you get that. I, I literally see it whenever I've got a good subscriber day that video does really well. So it's, yeah, you've almost got like the backward snowball. Yep, you got it. This just makes me so excited. It makes me want to go and create a load of content about a bunch of keywords and rank for it. And then I have to keep remembering I'm retired. Stop trying to do shit. (laughs) But it gets me so excited. I'm like, for any subject, you could come up with what's the key question, what are all the questions around it and the terms. You could build a bunch of content that adds value and then work to rank for those terms. I mean, this is this is a really practical way of doing it. So Doug, if you could like boil it down for anyone, then I'm going to ask you a very broad, if possible, like whether it's a blog or a YouTube or whatever, like very broad, what's the process, like lining up that process overall for us? So number one, come up with your topic ideas. So that could be a little bit more broad. And from there, you'll want to come up with specific keywords. So that might be shuffling around a couple of the ideas from the topic list, but essentially you want to end up with a list of keywords that you know people are searching for. I think one of the dangers that people may run into, especially on the, in the blog world, is they never think about the keywords and they just write about what they want to write about. 
And if no one's searching for it, <laughs> no one's going to show up there. No one actually really cares about what you're writing or producing. They want to solve their problem. Yeah, I would never do that. <laughs> you have to make sure people are searching for it. And that's where the keyword research tools do come in handy. And once you do have that list, you can sort of prioritize it either based on the search volumes or the keyword golden ratio or some other mechanism. So you have some idea because the chances are you're going to come up with hundreds of ideas. If you spend you know a few hours on this, you're going to come up with more ideas then you're really going to be able to deal with. It'll be slightly overwhelming, so it's important to prioritize. Once you have that list and it's prioritized, then, of course, you get to work. You start creating that content. And the key thing is to use that keyword phrase in the title of whatever the content is, a blog post, a YouTube video, a podcast. And if you front load the keyword in the title, that will be very helpful. You'll want to use that keyword phrase probably a couple times in your content, whether it's the written word or on YouTube. And then that'll give Google a good idea that that topic is covered in there. And I think that really covers the basics. I mean, there is a point where you're going to probably see what works well. And you could double down like we're talking about here and really go deeper into certain topics and go deeper and deeper until you've exhausted yourself or the number of keywords you have. <laughs> I love that. And uh, one thing I'd love to highlight for everyone listening, including Andrew, is something uh -oh. Doug said earlier. He goes for volume of content rather than perfection. And like you've got to get content out there. And I think it's that volume of creation if you come up with a list of 50 videos and you're doing one a week, it's going to take you an entire year to do them. There's going to be a level of like one week, maybe you have two, but you've spent the same amount of time doing two videos as you would have done one. And it's that get it out there and the volume I think is so critical and people forget about that. I really wanted to highlight that from what Doug said. Anything to add on that one, Doug? Just keep putting out content and you'll get better and better as time goes on. Actually, I, I don't think I told you this, Alan or Andrew, I published, I think, 60 videos in one month a couple years ago just Whoa. to see if I could do it. And I could. <laughs> I could. I did it. So what was that? Was that two videos a day? Like, like clockwork? Yeah, two videos a day. And actually, <gasps> uh, I ended up doing a talk at FinCon about that just because it is uh well it's a good clickbait headline i'll be honest with you well i did 60 videos in in one month <laughs> in a month to be fair, yeah. i'd watch yeah. that i'd watch that and see what the results <laughs> sure <laughs> and i'm a big uh you know i'm a big systems and templates guy i have a project management background so it's another conversation for another day andrew but i'm happy to talk to you more about it but if you can systemize some things and make it a little bit easier streamline things where you can it probably will well it'll be less stressful i'll be on, like that's the big thing it'll be a little less stressful yeah i'm a big tim ferris fan and everything that goes into this book gets then put into a spreadsheet that you know i'm not gonna label you guys with the details but yeah i'm, I'm big on systems as well very good this has been super useful doug it's absolutely been incredible 
This is a coaching series, so we get to this point where I normally ask Andrew what he's actually going to do about this. But I think you should do that this episode, Doug. Doug, would you like to press Andrew as to what he's actually going to take from this, do from this, and get him to make some commitments to the audience of thousands of entrepreneurs out there? Andrew, what are you going to be working on over the next interval of time, whatever you select, and what are you going to do and accomplish? Two things, actually. So first of all, I'm going to draw down into the golden keyword ratio and really, really uh, double down on it. And I know Alan is going to ask you this at the end, but like for you specifically, if I wanted to find out more information about this golden keyword ratio, where would I look um, if I wanted to really drill down into the meat of it? You can hop over to YouTube and you could just type in keyword golden ratio. There should be a lot of videos that pop up with my face on there. I'm a bald man. So you could look for a bald thumbnail. <laughs> you can also go over to nichesiteproject.com and there's some information there for the keyword golden ratio also. So I think it'll probably be best to go to the blog and then some videos are embedded there and it's written out so you can actually see the formula and how this happens. There are plenty of demos on YouTube, but yeah, that's where I would direct you. Yeah, so that's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to start organizing because I have a huge backlog of videos, a massive backlog of videos. And what I want to do is literally I will <laughs> I will happily sit and rank each one of those by the ratio that comes out. And then what I'd want to do is, like I said, I've got this huge backlog. I'm really keen now to experiment with maybe toying around with two videos in a week. Maybe if I do that for a month, see how that goes, see if my systems can support it, because obviously I'm running this alongside a day job. But what I'll do is I'll build up a bank of maybe about 16 odd videos, release two a week for maybe a month, see what happens and see how that increased content production and what that does and linking them all as well, what that does for overall channel growth, because it's mad. It seems completely obvious. But now when I think about the fact that the majority of my channel has come from long tail keywords, that maybe if I my strategy revolves around producing a series of long tail keywords, then dropping maybe a keyword juggernaut after six of those videos are out, seeing how that video performs, rather than just dropping the push-up tutorial. There are so many push-up tutorials on YouTube, but dropping one push-up tutorial video and just expecting it to suddenly compete with the millions of videos out there. I'm really intrigued to see how this new approach goes. So yeah, I'm really keen. And that those will be the, the two main actions that I take out of this. Okay. And when are you going to have that done? I will set myself a target for November for this. I like it. For November for having attempted to do two videos a week. It will take me a while to build up that bank of videos. So it's currently mid-September. So yeah. All right. And Andrew, please reach out if you have any questions on the systems or anything that I did. So if you get stuck, don't let it keep you down. Just ask me. Will do. Will do. Thank you so much, Doug. Doug, you are an absolute legend, Everyone now knows about niche or niche site project. Like go find Doug Cunnington on YouTube. 
watch some of his stuff about SEO. It is great content and it will help you to figure out how to do this. And having a video will make it so easy because you can actually watch him typing things in, bringing it up on screen. It'll make it so much easier for you. But Doug, you you also have another podcast that people might want to hear about with uh, a close friend called Carl. Yes, Carl Jensen and I have a podcast called Mile High Fi. We talk about financial independence and some lifestyle topics. And well, we go on some weird tangents occasionally. Carl and I have a, <laughs> a very nice time and it's sort of the uninhibited financial independence podcast. So Mile High Fi, it's on all the platforms out there. We even have a YouTube channel and Alan was on with his lovely wife, Katie. So you'll be able to check that out. I would direct you towards that episode if you want to get a, a taste of what we're about. Yes, definitely listen to that one. Doug very kindly took us to his basement and filmed us. <laughs> it was as racy well, as you thought. Are you recording that? <laughs> I have literally just subscribed. <laughs> just as you said that, I hit subscribe on Google Podcasts, and now I'm really <laughs> concerned as to what I've signed up for. <laughs> the explicit logo now has a whole new meaning. <laughs> It sure does. And, and Alan, just to let you know, we were able to get all the, the plastic down off the walls and all the stains came up. It was fine. <laughs> uh, so we had a great time talking about financial independence and how Katie and I work together and all sorts of stuff with Doug and Carl whilst we're in Colorado. So check that episode out. This has been fun. Doug, you are a legend. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Excellent. Andrew, you, as always, are the only person who gets loads of homework. Uh, if you need any help, let us know. Good luck with the channel. <laughs> I can't wait to see you for the next episode, which I'm really excited about, which is actually, what has Andrew learned on this journey? We go back through each of the podcast episodes and get Andrew's key learning on this journey. It is a fantastic episode full of value for you and practical steps that you can take to help build your content business. Thanks for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a Rebel Entrepreneur.